You're already thinking about discipling your own self out of a job. Well, if you're focused on that for you, then it stands to reason that's going to trickle down to focusing on that as the body as a whole. And that's what this whole thing is about, reproducing reproducers. Yes. The focus is there. And if I can't focus on that in my personal life, then how am I going to lead the charge from the pulpit for all of us to focus on that in their personal lives and their ministries? Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. And as many of you know, the Living Faith Fellowship does three conferences annually that are really a big deal to us. We do several retreats throughout the year. We do a a marriage retreat, and we do all church retreats in the summer that are kind of like summer camp. But we do three conferences that are particularly important to us. Uh, One is mission focus, and that's over the new year. And that is obviously a a missions-oriented conference where we challenge people to go uh, to reach the world with the gospel. At the end of the year, we do the Certainty Conference, which is a doctrinal conference, and that is in Ohio. But every year we do a discipleship conference. And, and, and as you may know, discipleship is a really big deal to our fellowship and to the Bible Institute. Uh, we take the investment in people, the mentoring of people in God's Word very seriously. And so we have devoted a conference to that. Now, this year at the Disciple Conference, uh, we had several different guest speakers, and one of the guest speakers at this year's Disciple Conference was Pastor Justin Trotter of Cali Harbin Baptist Church in Villarica, Georgia. At that conference, he spoke um, about the idea of transitioning in ministry, uh, and he shared with us many really important and profitable principles about transitioning in ministry. And uh, I thought it would be really good for him to come onto the show and talk to us about that, considering that so many of our Bible Institute students are in seasons of transition, and they, they foresee God's calling on their life in many, many different ways, and they should be anticipating transition. It's one of those things that is just a reality of being a part of ministry. You are going to face transition probably multiple times in your life in terms of what God has you doing and in your investment in ministry and people. And we need to prepare in our heart and in our mind uh, to approach those things God's way, a biblical way. And so I felt like uh, what he shared was really good, and I want to make sure that that all of you have an opportunity to hear from him. And so with that, uh, Justin, welcome to the show. Uh, I love having you on, man. It's really good to see you. Thanks, man. I enjoy being on. Appreciate you asking me. But before we get into it, okay, We always have a really good time at Discipleship Conf, right? We always have a good time. It's always a lot of fun. We do, yeah. It's more fun when you're you're not guest speaking, though, because you have more freedom to just, like, stay up late and... (laughs) Right, right. I was more of a party pooper this year. Yeah, me too. We didn't play basketball this year. Yeah, and we didn't even play basketball. Yeah, that was very unfortunate. Even this morning, I was thinking about that, like, come on, man. I was was giving myself, like, a a pep talk, like the old man... Like, come on, you can do it. You're still young. You still got it. You can, you can do it. Next year, you should play basketball. That's what I was thinking. That's what you were thinking? Did you, you mm-hmm. faked an injury this year. Or was that Dan? Who was that? <laughs> I'm going to blame Dan on the, for Dan, that. Yeah, that okay. was Dan was faking the injury. I don't That's know. That's right. That's right. But one of the things that we do like to do is we like to go to Applebee's. That's right. Absolutely. You know, it stays great and it's open late. <laughs> <laughs> Does it stay great? <laughs> great yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm not so sure. It's debatable. <laughs> um, I ate, uh, now, it was more at the Certainty Conference, but every year when we do these, I probably eat like 30 or 40 wings over the span of like three days of chicken <laughs> right. wings. Like I, I eat just tons of chicken wings. And they're they're not really that good, but I can't stop eating them. They're addicting, though, you know? I, I I might argue with you on that. I think they're pretty good. You like them? <laughs> I kind of okay. do, actually. Right. I well, think they're I, decent, but I don't get them every time, though, and so you're probably tired of them. Yeah, for now, like at this point, I am determined to get them every time. Like it's part of the routine. Like I can't, I don't allow myself to order anything else when I go. Right. But you're over there. You're over there. You're like exploring the entire Applebee's menu. You're, you're looking for to try new things as though it's like really fine dining. 
<laughs> right. Ooh, I've never tried this before. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't understand that. Right, right. Yeah, you make a good point. I might as well just stick to the same old thing. Stick to the wings, man. Yeah. Stick to the wings. Yeah, you're right. But uh, we always do have a, a fun time, and, and I thought your morning session was really good, especially considering you've been through a lot of transition recently. It felt fresh. It felt like um, that was something on your heart. And so tell us a little bit, remind our audience, uh, you've been on the show before, but remind our audience uh, of the transitions that you've gone through over the last year or so. Yeah, you know, um, and obviously we're, you know, we're talking primarily ministry transitions. There's been a, a lot of transitions. Uh, you know, obviously, obviously I was navigating the, the loss of my father. And while at the same time, um, I'm, I'm uh, becoming the associate pastor of Cali Harbin Baptist Church. This is uh, June of 2021 that that's happening. So in the middle of that, then we begin to to move because we were still, though we were in Georgia, we were about an hour away with no traffic. And mm-hmm. so with traffic on Wednesday night, especially, you can imagine in, if you've been the, the infamous Atlanta traffic. It's terrible. You, I've never seen anything else like it in my <laughs> right, entire life. <laughs> right, right. It's horrible. L.A., I think, is the only one that rivals it. And so that was not a whole lot of fun, especially on Wednesday. So we knew we had to get over here. Uh, so we moved. Uh, we had baby number four. Um, and so it was just been transition after transition. And then, of course, not the least of which is, as then uh, July of 2022, I transitioned into uh, lead pastor at Cali Harbin mm-hmm. Baptist Church, which was uh, always the plan from the beginning. Uh, pastor Corey had always laid it out that way from from the start. And that was mm-hmm. what we stuck to. So. And so, yeah, tons of transition, transition in your family, transition in your ministry, uh, in, in the physical location that you live. And so this is on your mind, which is obviously the exact reason why they asked you to preach on this. Uh, it's because it's what you've been going right. through. Now, now you've, you have, as we all should, you've gone to scripture to derive principles on what it looks like to transition well. And I think, I think one of the things that we have to realize is that transition in life, change in life that's going to happen to all of us, right? Like there's no avoiding that. But you can either transition well or you can transition poorly. And um, I think it's important that we look at things the way that way God, God intended us to. And so maybe just talk to us a little bit about your study from Exodus and Joshua and um, why Moses and Joshua is such a great picture type in Scripture of how transition should take place. Right. Well, yeah, there's such a... Uh, you know, sometimes when we look at that story, we're not necessarily looking at it from the angle of, oh, wow, there's a major ministry transition going on, right? Mm -hmm. We're looking at the details and we're pulling practical application out of all of the things that went on, but we're not always looking at it that way. But that's definitely a way that we can look at it. And I think we can glean a whole lot from it because it is one of the major ministry transitions that's laid out for us in the Bible with quite a bit of detail in in those details uh, there's there's quite a bit I think that we can grab uh, but obviously this was a this was a huge one because of course Moses you know Moses is the man and you know he's 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 obviously the one who led the nation of Israel out of Egyptian captivity and you know the crossing of the the Red Sea the parting of the Red Sea and, mm-hmm. and all of these things. And so it was no small thing when he gets when, when he's coming to the end of his life that there's going to be this transition to Joshua to ultimately take them into the promised land. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a major thing. Moses was beloved and he was you know he was he was the guy. And so this is just a major a major transition in the Bible of 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 leadership. Yeah. And for those who may, I mean, I think most of our students and most of our listeners will be familiar with the story, but just briefly remind us of why that transition has to take place. I know it is the end of Moses' Mm -hmm. life, but he knew that he was being, um, that he was being sidelined near the end. And so maybe explain to us all the ways in which, well, why that happened, but also all the ways in which uh, his, he was prepared for this work. Moses 
Moses sins, right? He, he's supposed to speak to the rock for the water to come out so that the nation of Israel can, so that the Israelites can, can drink the water. And, and, he, and he hits the rock twice. And in, in what may seem like a, a minor infraction, there was a very steep penalty for that. And mm-hmm. of course, that penalty being that God told Moses, hey, you can see the promised land, but I'm not going to let you be the guy to lead them into it. And basically told him in that same breath. And in fact, it's time for you to go ahead and die. You know, mm-hmm. and so it was a, that was a that was a, a, a major deal. And so that was kind of what led to the transition was that 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 sin in Moses life that led to God making that decision. Um, and as far as the other part of the question, frame that yeah. for me again. I wasn't sure what you, what you were asking. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think even before Moses was rejected, uh, I think he knew that it was his responsibility to make an investment ah. in those that would that would go beyond him, right? Right. And, and so I think in many ways, Moses was prepared to hand off the baton to the next guy. Um, but... You know, I think in ministry, we, we do see uh, transitions happen for several different reasons, one of which might be that the person that was previously in charge failed in their stewardship, mm. right? Which is the case for Moses. Like, like he failed and it was time for him to be done. And it was a very abrupt shift from one leader to the next. In other cases, and, and in the best case scenario, a man is going to make an investment in another person. They're going to disciple a person to replace themselves. And, and I think Moses also did that, right? So mm-hmm. you can kind of see both versions of leadership transition or ministry tr- transition um, modeled within the example of Moses and Joshua. Right, exactly. And so you're right. He failed in his stewardship, which is causing this transition. But one thing that he had stewarded well was is his responsibility to disciple and to train up somebody else to mm-hmm. what who could ultimately replace him. And we see that, you know, it, pri- again, prior to hitting the rock twice, we, we see that all the way up through that Moses is being very intentional with Joshua. And mm-hmm. there's quite a few different accounts of different things that went on when you look back and you see that, you know, you're, you know, you're casually reading through the story of the, of the Ten Commandments. And you're like, well, I'll be doggone. Joshua was there. Yeah. You know, and you're, you're looking at this story of, of Moses in, in, in the tabernacle. And then there's this little detail. Oh, and, and Joshua was, was hanging out in there with mm-hmm. them, too. And he stuck around. And you start seeing all these things and then you start just connecting the dots that, oh, wow, yeah, Moses is, you know, Moses is doing life with this guy. He's, mm-hmm. he's hanging out with him. He's bringing him along. He's letting him see behind the curtain and he is being intentional with him to be the next leader. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. he didn't have to transition as the next leader based upon sin and of course, the, the the more ideal plan would have been for that not to have happened, but that was the way it shook out. Um, and God was still able to use Moses' stewardship where he properly applied it. Right. Yeah. And I think we're going to come back to the discipleship component uh, a little bit later on. But, but, yeah. but in the meantime, let's talk just a bit about transition itself, because transi- transition can happen in a very uh, um, successful and fluid way, uh, or it can happen in a, in a way that is uh, not conducive to preserving and protecting the ministry that God has given us to oversee. And so uh, why is transition in ministry so difficult? Why, mm-hmm. what, what about it makes it so hard? Yeah, you know, it, I think the, uh, what naturally happens anytime there is a transition in leadership is, is you're just, by the sheer nature of it, you're entering a a potentially volatile situation. It, it has mm-hmm. all the makings of blowing up in your face if you're not careful. And, and part of the reason is just simply the fact that people don't like change. In most cases, people hate it. And so they don't like it. And they may even, they may like you, but they hate change. And so we're, you know, so we've reached a, a, a tough spot there. And so just the, just the nature of it, for one is is a is a very challenging uh, is a very challenging thing. 
Um, and then I think that some of the other things and some of the things that I was talking about at the conference was just simply the fact that sometimes as we as if we're the if we're the Joshua in the situation and we're the ones transitioning into this new position of leadership, well, there's there's a lot of flesh that every single one of us immediately has to fight. Because mm-hmm. the first, you know, the first, the first sin in history is the is the sin of Satan wanting to share in the glory of God and to share the glory that only belonged to God, and so we still, as humans, we're still not immune to that as well. And oftentimes, I think what happens is, with the best of intentions and excitement and everything else, people come into this ministry transition. And they uh, they fall victim to wanting to make a name for themselves, mm-hmm. and 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 that's obviously a, a a humongous problem that is just going to uh, perpetuate more problems. And then you find yourself doing things, you find yourself making knee jerk reaction decisions, you find yourself. With your heart, of course, in the wrong place, and you you find you have all of these problems. But because of the human nature of this whole thing, it, it can become very problematic. It's a volatile situation, and we're fighting our flesh because we have the propensity to not come at this thing from the right perspective. Right, and and just to kind of paint that picture, you and I have seen this. Maybe not everyone has though, but. But you see a guy that takes over, a gal that even in, in, in some ministry cases will come in and they'll see, they'll see all the problems. They'll see their predecessor's failures. They'll see the weaknesses of the ministry. And then they'll want to come in and make very stark and abrupt changes. And so they go to work just deconstructing that and reconstructing this. And, and all the while, what they're, they're saying uh, uh, to the congregates or to those that they serve is that, well, I know better and this is my show now. And, um, and so I'm going to conduct my show the way I, I see fit. And, and so whatever the heart motivation might be, that's definitely what is often communicated to those people that you serve. And so this is why it's such a precarious deal. This is why it's volatile because you can go in even with the right intentions and blow a work to, to smithereens, maybe something God's been doing for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, a work that's been established, uh, only, a, only a human being, only a proud man can destroy that work in like a matter of months. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And, and, we're, and, 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 and we're certainly all prone to it. And there's just, you know, there's, there's wisdom and first of all, understanding that, you know what, I, I don't have all the answers either. Mm-hmm. There are things that maybe I'm not even seeing completely clearly. So let's have right. the humility to step back and, and look at everything that way. And of course, let's also rejoice in all of the successes that are currently there and understand that one day someone's going to take the reins from, from you and there's going to, and there's going to be things that they want to do different than you did. And that doesn't mm-hmm. even necessarily mean that anybody was necessarily doing anything right or necessarily doing anything wrong. It's just there's there's just different approaches that different people have to different things, and that's just that's just part of life. That's yeah, life to different works. times, to evolving cultures. Like um, a pastor might minister to a congregation, it, you know, in one generation that looks completely different than the next generation, and so things just have to change by nature, right. and so it's not. It's not a slam against anybody. It's just absolutely. It's called shepherding, you know. Yes, yes, exactly. And so, you know, that comes back to the to the uh, you know illustration of any time you're you know you're you're wanting to turn thing turn a certain thing or a certain tide or a certain ministry of a church in a certain direction. Well, you, you when you're when you're when you're turning a ship or even just turning a boat. You know, we've all experienced it. We may not have experienced it on a cruise ship, but when we're on a on a little boat speeding speeding down the lake, you know, somebody turns that thing on a dime, and I think you're liable to get thrown out. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you just want to use discernment and and just if you're gonna if you're gonna make some big moves, 
to, to help uh, to do something in a particular ministry that you're feeling led of the Lord to do, which may all be good. That may you may be being led of the Lord to do it. It may be just what the doctor ordered for mm-hmm. such a time as this. Just use discernment though, and 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 turn that ship slow enough that you're not slinging good people off of the ship. Right. Right. You know, because right. we do we do tend to you know anytime someone gets slung off the ship, you know they they went out from us because they. they they weren't of us. And, you know, we're addition by subtraction, I guess, with them. You know, we have all these reasons, but there are times where we've slung people off the ship because we're making some bad decisions and we're making big decisions too fast and we're making too sharp a turns. The reason that that happens is that we don't have God's perspective and that God cares more about souls than the structure of ministry. Or the or the the customs of ministry, or the strategies of ministry. Like to God, it's like there. Well, without the souls, there is no ministry. The ministry is the souls, and so so a a good shepherd is going to be conscientious of how the decisions they make impact the glory of God first, but then also secondarily, uh, it is absolutely important to know that the glory of God is contingent on Him receiving souls. Like the two yes. things are, are are tied together, right? Right. So, exactly. so you do a great job uh, of discussing how Joshua handled that transition from Moses to himself. And so, mm. will you walk us through that transition a little bit, and and why we can see that as a preferable approach? Yeah, you know, some of the things that as I was studying that transition that stood out to me that I I thought was. Uh, you know, something that we could all learn from is, you know, Joshua in Joshua chapter one, he's, he's got his, he's got his first moment where he's coming up in front of everybody and he's going to speak for the first time. And he's got, Mm. he's got something to say, you know, and, and so he gets up there and in, in the three sentences that he speaks, he talks about Moses three times and he talks about the Lord six times and he never talks about himself in the whole deal, you know, and what I just love about that is, is that it's like, okay, this guy's got the right perspective. It would have been easy for him to come into this situation and say, all right, now's my time to shine. Now's my one big shining moment here. I mean, and keep in mind, he's coming off of the heels of Moses, for goodness sakes, you know, a a guy who, who talked face to face to the Lord, like a friend, there was nobody, the Bible says, like Moses. And so mm-hmm. if there was ever a guy that you're following to feel, start feeling a little insecure, to start feeling like I need to, to start, you know, whatever, making a name for myself, this would be the guy and this would be the moment. And what Joshua does is, is the first time he talks, all he can do is talk about the Lord and talk about what the guy did before him mm-hmm. and, and honor him. And I just think that that's a, you know, that's such a, a beautiful perspective on the whole, on the whole thing. And it's like, okay, this guy's getting, you know, he didn't get everything, but there's a lot of this that he's really, he's really grasping. Yeah. And I think that that's really important. The whole, um, honoring the guy that came before you over and over again, because when you, when you're talking about it being a a volatile situation, uh, there are a lot of times where the people in that congregation, even if they like you, uh, their hearts and minds are t- uh, are bent towards the investment that was made previously. So even if they're in your camp and on your side, um, man, uh, Moses was a mighty man of God and they all knew it. Uh, he rebuked them well. He loved them well. He provided for them well. He judged them well. Like they knew that his legacy was was immaculate. And so Joshua was very, was very wise in, in continuing to point back to that guy and saying, look, we're just following in his footsteps. We're just, we're not making any crazy changes. We're just doing the job that he was set out to do. And, and one of the things that I've often heard uh, that is wise in, in times of transition is, is purposing to quote the guy that came before you quite often. Like mm-hmm. use his sayings, you, you use his little idioms and, 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 and make sure that people know that when you speak, you have him in mind, I think is a really important principle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what it speaks to, you know, at the heart of it, I think it it ultimately speaks to the fact that you're not making this thing about you. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have no, you know, you're not afraid to to give shine to somebody else, not the least of which is the Lord, of course, in of course. the midst of all of these things. And we're just here as flesh and bone that have the privilege of being able to to serve the Lord, which that that's what this whole thing is about. Mm-hmm. Makes me even think about with with David and, and Saul, obviously that transition was terrible. It wasn't anything like what we're seeing here with Moses and Joshua. In, in many ways, it was completely not ideal. But uh, David was purposed to honor Saul despite how despicable he, he was as a, as a leader and a ruler. And, dis, and it, because he knew ultimately that it was his responsibility to unify, to unify Israel under one banner. And that wasn't going to happen if he held, uh, you know, if he held the previous leader in low esteem, but also back to the whole God thing, right? Like honoring God. He also knew that that was God's anointed. Like God, yeah. God's hand was in that previous administration. God, God was involved in that. He was sovereign over that. He was providential in that. And so despite the fact that he's taking over, he, he acknowledges the fact that God's glory is at stake and um, his testimony is at stake. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. I should have used that as a cross-reference. <laughs> <laughs> you had a lot, dude, you had a lot to share. So I don't think you had time for all that. Yeah, yeah. But, so, so one of the, you know, you, you walk us through a bunch and one of the things that you talk about that I think is really important is having the right perspective, having the right perspective on these seasons of, of transition, regardless of what the circumstances are surrounding them. You know, some folks, they, their life changes in ministry because they're promoted up, uh, they're promoted into new positions, um, you know, the right season in their life, the right spiritual growth, God might put them in a circumstance that they wouldn't have expected, um, sometimes there are situations they do expect, you know, whatever those circumstances might be, there are some perspectives that we need to have in mind in preparation for when those seasons come. And, and so maybe you can share some of those with us now. We're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students. My name is Blade Spiza. I'm from Living Faith Lee Summit in the Kansas City, Missouri area. And I just want to share a little bit about LFBI. It feels like a commercial, and I don't want it to be that. I actually want to speak to you just as an individual who loves God and wants to serve God and give your life to Him. LFBI, though it may seem academic, is actually an opportunity for you to have an intimate walk with the Lord. And, you know, you go through discipleship, you get involved in ministry, and and as you continue to grow, God gives you stuff, and you begin investing in people. And a lot of times, uh, as you begin investing in people, you, you fail to get fed yourself. And so I know for me, as a growing leader in ministry, I've, I've found seasons in my life that are really dry. And LFBI has been amazing for me just to be reminded of, about how awesome the Word of God is and how faithful God has been and, and how perfect God's Word is for me. And uh, I would just encourage you this semester to to take on a little bit more. Maybe you're thinking, I don't, ha- I don't have time. <laughs> I, I'm so busy. You know, I, I feel like I'm just doing too much. I want to encourage you that LFBI doesn't have to be academic. You can actually approach God's Word devotionally in that time and trust Him to speak to you in the quietness of a classroom setting. If you're on the fence about LFBI, I just want to encourage you to get started uh, by signing up for a class. If you've never done it, I encourage you to to hop in maybe to a Bible survey class or foundations. Um, if, If you've been doing LFBI for a little while and you understand the workload, Take on a little bit more. Step out in faith. To enroll for classes, visit lfbi.org. To support LFBI, please visit lfbi.org slash support. Yeah, you know, some of those perspectives that that I was sharing at discipleship that I, I felt like would be you know, would be would be valuable is just to come in to the ministry transition, whatever that it is, understanding that this whole this whole ministry is bigger than us. This thing is bigger than us. When you you know, and I've alluded to it already, you've got Moses who 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 is perceived as the man. And mm-hmm. again, there was the Bible says there's nobody and nobody got it like this guy had it, you know, and and all of these things. And so you know, the with this transition from Moses, it, it almost seems criminal that he wasn't the guy 
to lead mm-hmm. the nation, to lead the Israelites into the promised land. You're like, how can he have taken them this far, right? If you're watching the movie, you know, and this is a movie, you're freaking out that this guy doesn't get to be the one to do it because mm-hmm. you've fallen in love with him and his character and his leadership and all of these things. And he gets to the end of it and it's like, oh my goodness, how is he not the guy to take them there, right? At this point, Joshua's not really any anybody to write home about right he's got a name but it ain't it isn't like Moses mm-hmm. and so you know you're just you, you just can't help but feel like wow this is this is criminal but it comes back to this thing is is listen this thing is bigger than we are we mm-hmm. you know the, there are you know there are times where there may be a, a certain mission or there may be a certain ministry and the perspective or the vibe of the whole deal is is if this dude goes down, this whole thing is collapsing because what would we do without right. this guy, right? Right. And it's like, man, no, that this this thing is bigger than us. If Moses can be replaced, we can be replaced. Mm-hmm. And so that 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 position of, of humility and that perspective on the whole thing, you know, I, I I think is valuable. The other another perspective that I had talked about was just understanding that we are going to have a specific mission. Um, you know, each leader is going to be faced with different challenges that maybe the previous leader didn't have. You know, when I, you know, when, when Corey uh, first began, uh, first became the lead pastor 16 or so going on 17 years ago, well, he had a huge battle with legalism that he was Mm. facing that he talks about. And so that was a battle that was a really tough battle uh, it was a, a battle that I think Corey was custom made for with the shape that God gave made him. Mm. And he was just the right guy at just the right time and just the right place because that's who God had uh, in order to in, in order to um, fight those battles. And so just like he had those, you know, as I transition, I'm going to have battles too. My battles are going to be different. I don't know what all those battles are going to be yet. Mm. Um, You know, I'm certainly glad that he fought the ones that he fought in the past. So I'm glad I'm not fighting those, but there will be other ones that I, that I fight and there will be a different unique thing that God has for me to do now that I'm the guy with the shape that I am. And that's going to be the same in other ministry transitions as well is just, that he's gonna have come in knowing, hey man, he's he's gonna he's gonna have probably something special and specific for you, and you're gonna probably be faced with battles, you know, that he has you there for to fight that maybe the other guy didn't have to fight, and maybe you're gonna keep the guy after you from having to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other things that 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 I, I thought was big was just you know. Coming in, you know, and of course you want to come in optimistic, but you also want to come in as a, as a realist and you want to come in expecting problems like that's just the nature of this thing. And mm-hmm. so you say that and it's like, OK, dude, you know, we get it. Expect, you know, expect problems. Want, want. We, we've 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 heard that, of course, you know, but at the same time, I don't know if it's quite as simple as we try to make it. Because, you know, when you when you go back and you look at, at Joshua's life, you know, when Joshua, I think it's Joshua 6 or 7, where he's faced with his first, he, the first time he's facing any adversity, right? There's the, as, as many of the listeners would be familiar with, there's the sin of Achan was in the camp. Mm-hmm. And so they have this battle at AI and that thing goes south and it goes sideways and it isn't. What they in in they and for the first time they're not kicking butt and taking names, and Joshua you know freaks out. You know Joshua's you know losing his marbles over this whole deal, and he's like, "Oh my goodness, you know you brought us all this way. Would you bring us to you know to die here, God?" And mm-hmm. you know all of this stuff, right? That's his first thing of adversity, and you're thinking to yourself, you know, it if Joshua overreacted to the adversity he had, maybe it's safe to say that he didn't have the proper perspective going in to expect the level of problems that he was going to have. And so the reason that I felt inclined to 
push on this whole expect problems thing, even though it seems simple, is because I'm like, man, my goodness, if, if Joshua was susceptible to it, then who's to say that we're not? Who's to say that we're above that? Yeah. And 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 what tends to because what tends to happen is is that the wounds in in the battles that you face um, are are more radical than you think, and the fear is, at least from my perspective, is is that it sidelines us from doing what God has called us to do because we enter the whole deal with the with not a proper perspective on the amount of problems that we're going to end up facing in the midst of it. Yeah, I think I think you're onto something there because I think while we all know that following Christ is going to be difficult, that leading is difficult, that there are going to be challenges because challenges by their very nature are unforeseeable. Um we often forget how severe they can feel when you're in the midst of them, right? So we think we're prepared. We, we, we think that we're ready. Well, until that thing happens, right? And, yeah. Until that, that, that thing, and it, and it always looks different than you think it will, right? It always transpires in a way that's just, you weren't quite ready for it. But I also think that's the beautiful thing about the story of Joshua and about his responsibility is that his primary job was to fight, but his primary hurdle to overcome was the faithlessness of the people, mm. right? It was mm. this mm. back and forth. So it was always about faith in the midst of whatever challenge they were facing in the moment. Are we going to believe God? And, um, and I think that's yes. really beautiful about his leadership that helps us all to, re to remember that, well, we're going to face things that we think we're ready for, but we're not really, really ready for them. And when they come, the answer isn't a better strategy or you know, definitely fit throwing and, and blaming other people is no good. That's not going to get us anywhere. At the end of the day, the answer is to have faith to, to take, take the hill. Right. Yes, abs absolutely. And he had, he certainly had that battle and he had a, a, a very unique battle that, that Moses didn't have. Moses didn't mm -hmm. lead them into the promised land. That, that battle, that, that, that was a mission that was, that was specifically given to Joshua that Moses mm -hmm. didn't have, and Moses fought battles that Joshua didn't have to fight when he brought that we and he brought the Israelites out from underneath of of the uh, out from underneath captivity. Mm -hmm. So, so as we continue to look at the story that you were presenting, you, you begin to share uh, what you were referring to as like priorities, these principles and priorities as we enter a new ministry role, which. I mean, all of us do. We find ourselves, as we grow, we find ourselves in new ministry roles. What are the priorities that we should be holding to as we grow into those new roles and responsibilities? Yeah, you know, and I think that one of the things that's big, it kind of goes hand in hand uh, with, with, the, with the whole deal of the mission is bigger than us that I was talking about earlier, because it, it goes back to you know, the perspective I believe that we need to have as we're transitioning into leadership into a different ministry is, is that we always, we need to, right from the jump, we need to be thinking about, okay, who's got next? Mm -hmm. Who's going to, who's going to replace us? Because we're not going to be there forever or we're not going to live forever, one of the two. And so at some point along the line, we need to be, we need to replace ourselves. Yeah. And you know, one of the interesting things when you were preaching this, I thought it's funny that he's bringing this up first. This was the first priority. And I was kind of thinking, well, that seems like that would be the last thing that we'd consider because, you know, we're new to the role. Yes. But the more I thought about it is you'll never be more reminded of the temporality of your responsibilities than you are in the moment that you transition into that, that place of ministry. So it's like, as you're coming in, you have to be observing how is that person going out? Because one day that will be me and I need to be prepared for that. So I really appreciated the fact that you hammered this first. Oh well, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, because you know, I think that what it does is, is that if you're coming into it with that perspective, well, then your your perspective on the entire ministry is probably going to fall into place because mm -hmm. you're already thinking about discipling your own self out of a job. Well, if you're focused on that for you, then it stands to reason that's going to trickle down to focusing on that as the body as a whole. And that's what this whole thing is about, reproducing reproducers. Yes. Yes. And so the, 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 the focus is there. And if I can't focus on that in my personal life, 
then how am I going to lead the charge from the pulpit for all of us to focus on that in their personal lives and their ministries? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and and so that was what, you know, that was what Moses, that was what Moses did such a, a good job of doing with Joshua, because, you know, I already alluded to, to some of these things to where, you know, man, he's, he's there when the 10 commandments, he's there in the tabernacle and all of the, you know, Joshua is riding with Moses in all of these places. Well, you know, what, what also happens is, is that Moses comes into this thing with Joshua and, and he's coming to the end of his life and he knows it. And so he goes as far as to get come in front of the entire congregation and he lays hands on this brother as to say, this guy's got next. He's he he's the guy. And Mm -hmm. so Moses was was focused on this and he had that focus all along because you see the guy that he put his hands on is the same guy that from the beginning he had been being intentional about with him. And in fact, Moses had such a heart for this. And what blew my mind was, is that what you find is, is that when God is telling Moses, hey, man, you're not going to lead everybody into the promised land. It, it's, it's, you know, and, and, you're, and in, in fact, your, your life is about to end. When he's telling him that, Moses' response to that, instead of arguing about, does the punishment fit the crime? And is this a little bit of, don't you think you're being a little... A little <laughs> hasty here, Lord. Instead of doing that, what he says to him is, "Is God, would you please just don't leave this group like sheep without a shepherd? Yeah, and make sure there's another leader in place. And man, if that doesn't speak to the, his heart the whole time, and you're just like, wow, that's what this thing was all about to him. He keeps coming back to the fact that it's important to replace himself, and that there's going to be somebody else." To, to lead this that's going to be able, equipped to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in Christianity today, uh, in our world today, we don't understand this. We don't actually understand discipleship, which is why so often, you, you, you know, um, churches have to time and time again go recruit uh, their replacement because it, the discipleship part is not happening. It's not that their replacement is not just behind them ready, ready for the next phase. And so God forbid, I mean, we, we need to be a people who understand that, that ultimately our work in the ministry will be measured by not only the number of leaders that we produce, but how successfully we, we replace ourselves, how, how seamless that transition from one leader to the next really is. That definitely says a lot for sure, because um, you know, as you as you compare, you know what what Moses did well versus what Joshua did well, and maybe some of their shortcomings. Mm-hmm. Well, one of Moses' greatest strengths was one of ultimately Joshua's biggest shortcomings. Yeah. In in the final analysis, mm-hmm. you know, and so as we as as Moses is, you know. We, he's going through all of these lengths to train Joshua and lay hands on him and to do all these things. When you get to the end of Joshua's life, he comes and goes, and you look throughout the book of, of Joshua, and, and you're looking at it, and you're going, hmm, who was it that, that, that Joshua was discipling in the midst mm-hmm. of that? Mm-hmm. Who was it that was rolling and riding with Joshua that he was given a peek behind the curtain to? Who, who, who was it that, you know, that, uh, that Joshua was laying hands on in front of the congregation in order to deem this guy as the, ne- the Lord's next guy? Who mm-hmm. was it that Joshua did that with? And, 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 and I think the answer is unfortunately nobody because as jo- the book of Joshua ends and Judges begins, in Judges, Joshua has just died. And in Judges 1 1, the Israelites are going, Hey, God, who's going to lead us now? Yeah. They don't know. They don't know right. who was, they don't know who's going to lead them. Right. And then you, and, and then you, you look at, what ultimately happens to the generation after Joshua and what is clearly laid out in the scriptures at the beginning of Judges is, is that once Joshua and his generation passed, 
they started serving other gods and they started going down a horrible path. Um, and, and there are, you know, probably a variety of reasons for that. But I don't think that it, it you know, I think that we can certainly uh, we can certainly assess that part of the reason is because they there was nobody else that he trained to replace himself after the mm-hmm. fact to lead them. The who their leader was 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 huge, and they did, and he didn't do that, and there's no record of him doing that, and and all of the fruit of it would lend itself towards the fact that that he didn't do that. And man, what a what a uh, what what a, that was a that was a moment of like holy smokes, you know, as you read it and you study that thing out, and you're just going, wow, these were two drastic approaches with mm-hmm. two drastically different results. Yeah. And and for all the good that Joshua did, he also ended his life with an epic failure. Yeah. Yeah, which gosh, I mean, how common is that? How, I mean, how many times do we see a mighty man of God um but then at the end of the life at their life, the everything that they built seems to to I mean, you, you and I, in our generation, or at least our, our parents' generation, what we saw happen was people give up faith on the word of God. Right. <laughs> you know, so you have one man leading a church and, and there's victory and, and the people understand the authority of God's word. And, and then when they pass, someone that they didn't equip comes into that role, someone that they didn't prepare. And then there's a, there's a slight perspective shift that turns into something that snowballs and eventually the people are not believing anymore. They're not winning. They're not, they're not going to battle. And, and, and the, and judges is the example you read through judges. And what we have is hundreds of years of aimlessness in the nation of Israel, which is just, it's unfortunate. And I don't, like you said, I don't think that all falls on Joshua, but uh, it's not like he didn't have men he could have invested in. There, There were men, there were men that could have, been his replacement, but it just never happened. Yes, yes, exactly. Nothing recorded of him ever doing that. But yeah, exactly. They, we that's that's kind of some of what we've seen similar to that in in our generation. I've I was, you know, we obviously First Baptist was is my home church, and so mm-hmm. once my dad transitioned out of there, and ultimately the leadership path that it took, it was it, you know we we were praising the Lord. Because we were like, thank goodness, some, you know, the next two guys who ended up in that role, thank goodness, they are guys that were sticking to the stuff and they mm-hmm. were sticking to those same truths that the, that my that my dad had taught all along yeah. the way as well. Because we were sitting here like, oh my goodness, is you know what what happens when you lose that leader again? It's a it's a very yeah. it's a it's a um, yeah it's a it's a tough time. Yeah, for sure. You're, and you're susceptible. You're susceptible Very. in those moments. And it's, you know, it's grace and it's faith and it's discipleship and it's all these things. You got to get them right. You, you talked about um, how God encourages, uh, he tells Joshua several things to be strong and of good courage several times, three times, in fact. Explain those instances where God is communicating to Joshua. What are the leadership principles that we pull out of that? In Joshua chapter 1, you know, God keeps saying, "Be strong and of good courage." And we we see we see other we see him say it three times there. Uh, we see the congregation say that to Joshua, even at the end of chapter one. We mm-hmm. see even in some of the end of Deuteronomy that line is getting used, and it's like, "All right, I get it. Be strong and of good courage." I I hear you. You guys keep saying this. You know, and so God makes a point to say it three times in those first, you know, however many verses there in the book of Joshua. And, and but he he accompanies that, you know, with a with a each of those he accompanies them with a little phrase, right? He just doesn't keep repeating himself. And so mm-hmm. you know the the first time that he says that is in verse six, and he's saying, "Be strong and of good courage." And in, in the, the heart of what he's getting at, when you look at the context of it is, is that you need to be strong and of good courage under, to under, in understanding the work that's ahead of you. 
that you've got you've got some you've got some work to do. You've got a you've got a job to do, and the job that you're going to do it's going to require that you be strong and of good courage. And of course, he found that out. You know, six or seven chapters with the sin of Achan, he found that he found that out mm-hmm. that he was going to need to be strong and of good courage because there were going to be challenges, and that was just one of the challenges. And I think that we can apply that to our life too, is, is, Hey man, you know, now that you've transitioned into this position, whatever it may be, listen, there's, there's work to do. The time, the time is short. It's time to dig in and it's time to get something done. Yeah. Use wisdom, use discernment, make wise choices with anything that you're doing, but, but it major on the majors and and you're not going to have that big of a problem if all that you're mm-hmm. doing is is going gung ho to to reach more people with the gospel in whatever role that it is that you have and train more people up. Well, you know it, that that's I think what what God is getting at. Be strong and of good courage because that you're going to need it in the midst right. of that work. Um, and then he says it again. There's another time that he says it right after that. It's God's just kind of going talking to Joshua and he keeps repeating this. And the other time is kind of connected to what I was saying was, is how, how to define success. You're going to need it because of the way God defines success. Okay. We, we all tend to define success by just sheerly numbers, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the, that's the carnal worldly way. If it's more people than, than that straight up equals more. They always say nickels and noses. Yeah, that's right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Nichols and those, right? And so that that's how we tend to view it. But the second time God tells Joshua to be strong and of good courage, that's not what he's talking about at all. He's talking about sticking to the stuff and doing it by the book and obeying the work of God and talking about it when you sleep and going through all of these things. And he's, say, he's basically telling him, you do everything the right way, the way that I have told you to do it and stick to the word of God. And, and that is what success is. The results mm-hmm. have always, the results are God's. The results have always been up to God in every, in every area. What's been up to us is, is whether or not we're going to obey in the midst of that. And in the midst of doing that, it, you know, we're going to need to be strong and of good courage because that's going to cause some problems for us. Because there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of people that kick against sticking to the stuff. Yep. <laughs> there's going to be yep. a lot of times that that makes for some hard conversations if you're really sticking to the stuff and all of these things. And so God just telling Joshua, hey, man, be strong and of good courage in the midst of that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third time he says it in that in the midst of Joshua chapter one is, is he's he's basically just saying, hey, be strong and of good courage, essentially because I'm with you. God's saying, because because I'm with you, you can be strong and of good courage because I'm with mm-hmm. you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And no matter what it is that you're going through, no matter what it is, that God's going to be with us no matter what. I was I was teaching uh, this past Sunday and and we were I was going through uh, the the seven statements of Jesus on the cross there as we were uh, on Easter Sunday as mm. we were celebrating the resurrection and 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 one of the things that Jesus says on the cross is is my God my God why hast thou forsaken me and mm. what ha- and what ha- is happening in the midst of that and what it, I, I find to be uh, you know, such a beautiful thing is, is that in the midst of that feeling forsaken that, that, that God is going through in the midst of that actually happening as he is becoming, literally becoming sin on that cross, is that he was enabling us to, to never actually have to go through that. Because then the Bible goes on to teach us that he's never going to leave us and he's never going to forsake us. And he went through what he went through on the cross so that we so that we wouldn't and was forsaken so that we wouldn't have to be forsaken. Right. And it's just a, and it's just a beautiful thing. And that's also what he but that's what he's what God is emphasizing to Joshua is, is, hey, man, be strong and of good courage because I'm not going to ever leave you or forsake you. And I'm yeah. with you this whole time, no matter how bad it seems, no matter how good it seems, no matter what your circumstances are, I'm, I'm with you. You may not feel like I'm with you all the time, but I am with you and you got to be strong and a good courage. Yeah. And ultimately, I think that's what we need to hear. I mean, there's 
there's no greater word that God could give us than, hey, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, that's the promise that Jesus makes the disciples when he commissions them uh, to go and preach the kingdom of God. He's like, don't yes. worry about it. Uh, all power is given to me and I'm, I'm with you even to the end, to the very end. I'm with you. I'm not going to forsake you. With that promise in mind, what can you not do? You know? Yes. All right. the other be strongs become much more reasonable, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Um, so, you know, you know, as we're closing, I think all of these, these principles that you've, you've taught and that you pointed out from this story are, are wonderful. And I really encourage people to go study it for themselves. Hopefully people will. But for the growing ministers in LFBI, uh, you know, what would you say to them personally um, who, who they just don't know who God's making them to be yet? They're not 100 percent confident what the calling on their life looks like or what the plan looks like or you know, because I think people want a lot of surety in a world that's not very sure. And, and I think in church, church, sometimes people want the plan spelled out for them, you know, clearly. Yeah. But that's not how it works. Um, it's not always that way. And so what would you say uh, in terms of a final word to encourage growing leaders who have a lot of transition ahead of them still? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and I, I, I you know, I think the way that I, what I would like to say to them to in, encourage them is just that first of all, I've been I, I've been there, and I know that I know that exact feeling, and I know exactly what you know how how that feels because that's how I felt, right? I'm not you know I, I felt like there was a that God had. Uh, ministry in my future. I just didn't know when, I didn't know how, I didn't know where, and I didn't know any of those things. And so, you know, what What I would like to encourage anybody else that's in that position towards is, you know, is just very simply, God is directing your path. He's, he, he, of course, is not going to write things on a wall, but in the midst of God directing your path as you're acknowledging him, with your life and with your verses behind my head right now, as you're, <laughs> as you're acknowledging him and, and not just acknowledging him with your lips saying, God, I, I want you to, to use me in, in, in the ministry. No, you're acknowledging him with your life and you're, you're living the life that you know, God has called you to live a pure and holy and a blameless life. So you're acknowledge you're acknowledging him as he is directing your path and he's directing your steps and what you're to do and and what I want to encourage any of you to be doing in the midst of that is just taking the next right step mm -hmm. because you are probably like me you don't know when you don't know where you don't know how but all you know is is you're feeling inclined in this bent towards this and and I'd just like to encourage you if that if that's you Take whatever the next right step is that the Lord is leading you to do, whatever that may be, take the next right step. And then after you've taken that, take the next right mm -hmm. step and yeah. the next right step. And you walk and as you're walking, you're walking by faith and you're, you're not walking by sight, but you are walking by faith. And God is is maybe got a door at the end of that. He, he's, he's lighting that path and there, there might be a door that he's swinging open at the end of that path that he's going to open up for you to minister how in again, however that looks mm -hmm. for you. Yeah. Justin, thank you for being my friend and for hanging out with me today and, and sharing this stuff with us. Man, I, I appreciate you for, for being mine and, and, and for having me on, man. It's a, it's a, it's a privilege and I'm honored to be asked, man. I, I appreciate you, bro. And um, hopefully we'll see each other real soon. Yes. As we close, um, I want to thank Justin, but I want to thank you, the listener as well for hanging out with us. And I think anyone who ministers in their local church, they should be able to, to, to hear an episode like this and feel challenged uh, at whatever level you're ministering to, to, to be very cognizant of who you're leading and how you're leading. Uh, we are all leading people, whether it's in our home, uh, whether it is in a Sunday school or a fellowship setting, a Bible study, maybe you have a role as a deacon or an elder, or, uh, some, some form of teacher in your church, whatever that responsibility is, God's given that to you. And you need to steward that well. You need to be thinking about all these principles and you need to be anticipating what it looks like to transition. And, and with that in mind, I want to invite you to visit lfbi.org 
and consider whether or not you need to be trained uh, deeper in God's Word, but then also in terms of ministry uh, through the Living Faith Bible Institute. Uh, you know, the one of the unique things about LFBI is that our professors are pastors, meaning these are practitioners. These are people who are engaging in ministry every day. It's not theoretical. All the things that, that Justin and I would have talked about today are things that they're aware of, that they've lived through. And so to be trained by uh, true ministers uh, of the gospel is a, is a really cool thing. And we think it makes LFBI particularly unique. And so we want to invite you to come join us in your studies. Uh, it could be a class at a time. It could take, it, it could be four or five classes at a time if you're looking to get uh, serious uh, in-depth training. But, but we'll leave that up to you. We just want to invite you to, to take your responsibilities in your local church more seriously and get trained to do that work the way that God would intend, you to, intend for you to. So we love you. We're grateful for this time. Any time that we get to spend with you is precious to us. Uh, we ask God's blessing over you, and we can't wait to see you again next week for another episode of The Postscript. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, Please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.